you can. Great. Um, good morning, everybody. It is so good to see you all in the room and um, imagine you all uh, at home, whether you're in your pyjamas um, or whether you're listening to this later on um, uh, today or during the week. It's great to be here. Um, my name is Rachel Dyer, and um, I'm part of the leadership team here at Yeovil Community Church, and um, I'm actually employed by uh, the church here as well as our community strategic lead. And um, I'm passionate about family, I'm passionate about relationships, passionate about our community, um, I'm passionate about seeing uh, restoration and transformation in people's lives, um, both in our, um, our direct, in our family lives, in our community, in our nation, and in our world. And so I guess that's probably why I was asked to speak today, uh, because what we're going to do today is we're going to look at the next of our vision statements which is um, uh, one about relationships, um, and the title of our talk today is The Art of Rehumanization. All right, so you ready, guys? So, um, so our vision statement is that by God's spirit and working in partnership, we are committed to seeing the tide of relational breakdown turned wherever we serve. So we do it in God's spirit because we don't do it alone. Don't do this in our own strength. We do this with his. We do this with God together as partners in relationship. And we work in partnership. We work with other people, other churches, other organizations. And where we can, we speak light and hope into sometimes different and difficult situations. And the fact that we do this in partnership means that we don't have to have all the answers. I mean, thank goodness we don't have to have all the answers, right? Um, But it also means that we have to work together. And sometimes this can be difficult. Sometimes it can be messy. It doesn't always mean that we agree. But we choose to keep walking forwards together, and that's a beautiful thing. And we're committed to seeing the tide of relational breakdown turned wherever we serve. Whether that's marriages that are breaking down, people estranged from their children, neighbours not knowing each other, older people who are lonely and isolated. We want to see that tsunami of family breakdown abated. And this can only be done one relationship at a time. One conversation or compassionate act at a time. At its heart is the seeing of the other. At its heart is the art of rehumanization. So we might describe the art of rehumanization as seeing the individual, empowering people to define their journey and carrying hope. So I want to share with you now one of my favourite scriptures. It's Isaiah 61. And I like to think of this as the rally call of hope and restoration and transformation. Um, I uh, started an organisation or a ministry within uh, Yeovil Community Church back in 2011 called Yeovil for Family. You might have heard me speak about it um, on stage here over recent um, years or long time ago um, and um, 
this scripture is the foundational scripture for Yeovil for Family. And it's also been a formational one for myself. So here we go. Isaiah 61 verses 1 to 4 says this. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. We believe that all people are made in God's image. It all starts in Genesis. And that our encounters with other people are inseparable from our relationship with Jesus. I heard it described recently that everyone carries a divine spark whether we recognize it or not whether we recognize it in ourselves or not whether we recognize it in others or not it's there are we prepared to give that spark oxygen to let it start a fire we live in a world that's complex and messy don't we no less messy in the last two years And relationships are fractured everywhere. We see it in our everyday, in family breakdown, in class divides, in disparity in education, as well in ethnic and age divides as well. We see it at work. We see it at the school gate. We see it in our classrooms. And yes, in our churches We've even forgotten how to relate to ourselves sometimes. There is a statistic prior to COVID that said that we are the most connected generation in human history. And yet we're also the loneliest. Nine million people in the UK describe themselves as either always or often lonely. and including almost 10% of young people aged 16 to 24. They're powerful and sobering statistics. Now, as a result of COVID, we might be better at connecting with our distant family member or our small group because we've learned to use Microsoft Teams or, or Zoom. But are we really any more connected? Really? I'm not sure that we are. Mother Teresa famously said this. She said that the most terrible poverty is loneliness and the feeling of being unloved. 
I'll say that again. The most terrible poverty is loneliness and the feeling of being unloved. We see broken relationships from the start of humankind. A struggle between us and God. Each other, ourselves and creation. A story that begins in Genesis where the original life-giving relationships unravel one after another. Human beings flee from God and trust turns to fear. Then the relationships between humans break down. Adam blames his wife Eve when they eat the apple and love gives way to suspicion Blame, anger, deceit, shame, fear, mistrust. So it goes on. But thankfully, scripture is, is full of, of hope and is a bigger story than what we see in Genesis. And we're all invited to be part of that. It's a story of restoration of relationship, of renewal, transformation, Hope, healing that which has been broken. The story stretches right through to Revelation, where we're given a glimpse of John's vision of the ultimate healing of all of these wounds. The tree of life bears leaves for the healing of the nations, and there'll be no more mourning, or death, or crying, or pain. And we long for that day, but we're here right now. But one day, there'll be that perfect unity between God and humankind, where we see his face, face to face. We live in between the wholeness of all that God intended, that which he intended in the beginning and the ultimate restoration of all things. We live in the now and the not yet. And central to this story is Jesus. In him, God bridges that gap between the heavenly and the human. He comes into our messy, earthly lives Exposed to fragility and fracture, relationships that go wrong, limitations and disappointments. In his life, death and resurrection, we see the extent to which God goes to restore his relationship with us. God sees our failings, our messiness, our brokenness. And he meets us face to face anyway. He chooses us. He invites us to join him in this journey of hope and restoration for ourselves, with others, and for our world. Jesus broke down walls, crossed divides, and saw the face of God in the other, 
the stranger and the enemy. He did this in a number of different ways. In class divides, Jesus, the refugee who speaks to the rich. In moral divides, Jesus, the rabbi who eats with sinners. Religious divides, Jesus, the Jewish man who praises a Samaritan. Age divides, Jesus, the Jewish man, adult, who said, let the children come. Gender divides, Jesus, the resurrected Christ who first appeared to a woman. Poverty divides, Jesus, the man who associated himself with the hungry, the prisoner and the sick, saying, whatever you do to these, the least of these, you did it for me. Ethnic divides. Jesus, the Jew who heals a Roman centurion's daughter. And power divides. Jesus, the accused, who says, Father, forgive them. And he invites us to do the same. As disciples of Jesus, we're called to somehow find a way to express our restored relationship with God through every aspect of our lives. And this can be challenging. This isn't easy stuff that we wrestle with. But following Jesus means that we let him lead us into the heart of those divides, which he can transform. I read recently this really powerful quote. If conflict and fear of the other seem to be ingrained in the DNA of our society, reconciliation is in the DNA of the disciple. I'll say that again. If conflict and fear of the other seem to be ingrained in the DNA of our society, then reconciliation is in the DNA of the disciple. The Apostle Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 5, verses 17 to 20. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed us to the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God is doing a work in us. It's an active process. We are agents of reconciliation in our relationships, in our community. And then we see the cosmic magnitude of this playing out and the reconciliation of all things within the bigger picture of restoration described in Colossians 1. This, slightly indulgent really today, another one of my absolute favourite scriptures 
um, and particularly in the message translation. Colossians 1 verses 15 to 20 says this. We look at this sun and see the God who cannot be seen. We look at this sun and see God's original purpose in everything created. For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank of angels, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. He was there before any of it came into existence and holds it all together right up to this moment. And when it comes to the church, he organises and holds it together like a head does a body. He was supreme in the beginning and leading the resurrection parade. He is supreme in the end. From beginning to end, he's there, towering far above everything, everyone. So spacious is he, so expansive that everything of God finds its proper place in him without crowding. Not only that, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things, animals and atoms, get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies, all because of his death, his blood that poured down from the cross. We recognise that we don't have all the answers, that we're far from infallible, but God can and does this work through us if we let him. This includes embracing the fullness of who we are, our fractures, our brokenness. We recognise that we are forgiven works in progress. And when we choose to be agents of reconciliation, we love outwardly and it transforms us inwardly. As we start this process, it continues within us. It's a journey in which we are also transformed. Desmond Tutu very powerfully said this, when I cultivate, sorry, I'll start again. When I cultivate forgiveness in my small everyday encounters, I am preparing for a time when a much larger act of forgiveness will be asked of me, as it most certainly will. When I develop a mindset of forgiveness rather than a mindset of grievance, I don't just forgive a particular act, I become a more forgiving person. What was once a reason for rupture and alienation becomes an opportunity for repair and greater intimacy. I just want to say here something really important. We need to keep ourselves safe. This is not about staying in dangerous or controlling relationships. This is not about staying in those places. And if that's you, please, 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 if you're in the room, come talk to me afterwards. Um, You don't need to stay in that place. If you're watching online, email us, find help. 
Um, <clears throat> if you want to email me, um, uh, it's easy through the live at yeovil.cc website, uh, email address. Uh, but we don't want you to hear this as a call to stay in something that is dangerous or controlling. There is hope. There is healing. There is freedom in time. And we have a hope because God is at work in our brokenness. He is making all things new. Now, I was going to show a clip, um, but because we have the opportunity to live stream, we don't want the opportunity to receive a hefty fine. So um, I was going to show an amazing clip that really sort of illustrates the, um, the point that we don't have all the answers and that sometimes the most surprising person that we encounter might have something to offer. Um, for those of you that know Home Alone, the first one, which in my opinion is the best, but um, <clears throat> there's a beautiful clip on Christmas Eve. So, so Kevin's an eight-year-old boy. He's been... Um, He's been left home alone by his parents that have found themselves in Paris without him, which is a big part of the story of the, the film. And there's an old man that lives across the road from eight-year-old Kevin. And local legend has it that the old man across the road killed his family and has buried them in rock salt, and, um, <clears throat> and therefore he's a very scary person that Kevin has never had any interaction with and is absolutely terrified of. Kevin ends up hiding away on Christmas Eve in the local church. And old man Marley is there and asks if he can sit with Kevin. And those of you that know the film will know exactly the part that I'm referring to. And this old man and this eight-year-old boy come sit together. And the old man ends up explaining that it's not true. This, this lie that's going around about him is not true. He's estranged from his family. They've had a fight. They're upset. His son won't talk to him. An eight-year-old Kevin tells this old man to call his son. He says, you know, what are you afraid of? You know, what's the worst that can happen? You call him, he doesn't want to speak to you. And it's the most beautiful um, film description of, uh, expression of two people from very uh, different experiences coming together and seeing hope and listening to each other leaning into each other. And as the, the story unfolds then, spoiler alert, um, the old man is reconciled with his family and it's a beautiful thing. Um, but I can't show the clip because we don't want to get in trouble and that's not okay. Um, and I don't stand here as someone who has all the answers. I don't stand here as somebody who's got perfect relationships everywhere I, I walk. You know, that's not what I'm saying. Um, <clears throat> My sister died back in 2015 in complicated circumstances. And on top of that, her and I had been estranged for a number of years prior to the time that she died. That's difficult. That's not straightforward. It's six years later and we're still wrestling this stuff through. I'm still wrestling this stuff through. I'm not standing here saying I'm living in this pretty rose garden... I stand here saying, I'm wrestling with the thorns in the brambles where it's painful, where it's dark, 
and it's messy. And yet, we have a light to shine in those dark, forgotten, hopeless places. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 6 to 10 says this. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. So that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us. But life is at work in us too. So we have treasure in jars of clay. Let's stop looking at the pot, at the boring or the imperfect pot that we think we are, but focus on that which is within us. God is refilling us every day. His mercies are new every morning. Ask God to fill you with his compassion, with his love, with his hope. Jesus' healing of others came out of his compassion. It's possible for us too. You might feel that your pot's a bit messed up, got lots of chips in it, broken bits, and that's okay. The holes are how the light gets out. And remember that no matter how broken or ugly or useless that you think your pot is, that God made that pot and God is good. Um, I don't know that the band are in the room, but if we could get them on the stage now, that would be great. I just want to say to you that we are treasure in jars of clay and that you are someone's gold. So whether that's a relationship you need to work on, whether it's a letter you need to write to somebody that you don't get to see very often, whether it's inviting somebody over for lunch that you wouldn't necessarily usually relate to, whether it's acknowledging the person without a home in the street as you walk by, whether it's volunteering in an area of church life or community life where you would serve people different to you, where you have an opportunity to really see them, what is it that God is saying to you Where is God asking you to shine that light? Where is God asking you to be that gold? 
So when we're able to, let's hold hope for those who we walk alongside until they're able to hold that hope for themselves. See the person in front of you. Make time for them. We can't stand in our calling and bind up the brokenhearted if we're rushing around too busy to see who they are. We can't be people who exchange ashes for beauty if we're too intent on heaping burning coals on people's heads. Our relationships are important. People are important. You are important. Thank you.